This week's podcast brought to you by Grandpa's Toothpicks. So the other day, I order a lift. Jill and I, my wife, we're sitting at a restaurant and we're about to pay the bill. So I see it's eight minutes away and I order. And two minutes later, it says your car has arrived. But I'm looking at the app and I can see that it's nowhere near me. It's over by Bunnies in St. Louis Park. And so I call the person and he doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about. And he doesn't know why I'm calling him. And for the next... 40 minutes, I just sit there waiting for someone to show up and finally I realize they're not coming and nor does my Lyft app work any longer. So I get an Uber and we get a ride home. The next morning, I'm still furious and I look and I get a bill for $58 for a three hour and six, uh, three hour, six minute ride from Bunnies through Northeast out to the Mall of America. And they did the right thing. They gave me my money back and gave me 10 bucks credit for the next ride, but it was a little aggravating. And Rebecca and I enjoyed our trip from Bunnies to Nordies to the Mall of America, didn't we? Can't wait to get back to Bunnies. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, this is a very another very special episode of Ball and Chain. Once again coming to you from the land of sky blue waters in northern Minnesota at my sister Amy's cabin. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Some of you may know him from Stingray Afternoons, my older brother Tom, my tormentor, my roommate for years, and uh, others, all of you, would know him as the Tom in Tom, Dick, and Hari, our house band. We couldn't get Hari, we couldn't get any of the three dicks, but Tom was available to us this weekend here on Lower Lake Cullen in Minnesota. Welcome, Tom. Yeah, we're actually on uh, Upper Cullen, aren't we? Or are you we on Lower? We're on Lower, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> you were thinking you were on Uppers on Cullen, <laughs> yes. I think. But uh, I get confused because yesterday I, we were going into Middle or, or somewhere and destroyed the jet skis and it just had me thinking, which Cullen are we actually on right now? There are as many Cullens as there are Dicks and Tom, Dick, and Harry, I believe. Huh? Three. There's a lower, an upper, and a middle? That's correct. Yes. And we are on lower. But is there an o a lower, upper, and middle dick is what she's saying in Tom, Dick, and Harry? Uh, not yet, but who knows? Maybe I know, uh, at this point forward. I know, there, I, just, I know that on our daughter's AAU basketball team, there are two gyms. And, uh, the parents. Two parents named Jim, yes. And, and I call one of them main gym and one of them auxiliary gym. Um, and I switched them around, so neither of them feels bad. But uh, you do have to keep people when they have the same name straight. Although the Dicks, none of them are named Dick. Is that no, correct? No, they're Craig, uh, Jack, and Jim. So I guess that's how you keep them straight. Right. See, there's a Tom and a Harry. Harry, as you say. And because his name is actually Harold. Uh, some Scandinavian take on the name Harold, I guess. But when Jim, Harry, and I started playing guitars together when the kids were classmates in elementary school and our wives were hanging out so we ended up hanging out and I didn't really need to hang out with them but I ended up hanging out with them and they played guitars and I was just learning how to so we hung out and we 
played some tunes, we wrote a couple songs, and then we decided we probably needed to get some additional band members. Jim wanted to call the band Rancho Dandy. Rancho Dandy? Yes. Would would there be an umlaut over the A or the O in Rancho or possibly both? Harry and I dismissed that pretty quickly. I'm pretty sure that he had Rancho Dandy in mind for a band when he was a kid or something, and he's carried it forward into adulthood, and we just said, no, we're not going to do that. You came up with a great band name yesterday. You, I think you have a genius for them, Grandpa's Toothpicks. What was the origin of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Grandpa the other day showed up with a little vial that said toothpick holder on it or it said toothpicks and it's a little wooden case enough uh, big enough to hold quite a few toothpicks or the exact size of holding one doobie and uh, I thought grandpa was packing some doobie in his toothpick case but in fact he actually was carrying toothpicks the first guy to ever use it for toothpicks and and yesterday I think he left them here when he when he went back to the Twin Cities and yesterday somebody said has anybody seen grandpa's toothpicks and I thought that would be a great euphemism for for joints from this day forward grandpa's toothpicks well maybe we'll have to uh, start using that sounds like a name of a song that Tom should write grandpa's toothpicks absolutely because of course Tom wrote uh, Happiness Lane the theme song for our podcast and Tom sings this song every single day and some people it's a, such a catchy tune that some people do sing it every day but when Tom told me why he sung it every day I found it to be um, interesting. So please explain that to us. I sing it every day in my head because it's about a minute long. So it goes into my 3:30-60 workout program, all minimizing the amount of workout I can do and feel good about myself every day. Uh, a three-mile run with uh, 60 seconds of plank, and that's where the theme song comes in. And the 30 is just uh, 30 push-ups thrown in there as well. Is this like something you saw in an infomercial, or is this your own? Nope, I made it up. Plan. You could probably I, I, market it. I've been doing the running for years, and then about a year ago, people started posting some push-up thing for the troops. Do you recall that? I do remember that, yes. And I remember watching all these guys my age. They'd start with one, and over a month, they'd work up to 30. And by the end of the month, you know, they're struggling to do 30. I said, that's terrible. So I decided to see how many I could do. And then I just decided I'm just going to do 30 every day from now on. But, it, but it's not, just to make clear, it's not for the troops. <laughs> I, I, I think of the troops while I'm doing it, yes. But You think of this, of Happiness Lane while you're planking, yes. but he's thinking of the troops while he's doing paying, his push-ups. Yeah, I'm paying respect to the troops during the push-ups. Now, do you also, when you buy a pack of uh, chips at the airport and they ask if you would like to buy gum and, and Snickers bars for the troops, do you also do that or is it just the planking? Um... That's a good one. Some it depends on the mood I'm in. Sometimes I'll ask them if they're matching my contribution. That is the key right there. That is the key. I'd be happy to to send my own food to the troops, though I must admit I haven't done that. I'm sure you have, Rebecca. We've, oh, we've sent Halloween but candy to the troops, one of course. When it is a cynical ploy, and I'm not suggesting that it is, by the store to have you buy more stuff, I wonder if, if a $9 packet of Lay's is benefiting the troops more than sending $9 worth of chips so i wonder the same thing and i know that you've got all your resident podcast listeners so do you have an accountant of course we do okay <laughs> do we? oh we don't we don't have a resident podcast account we have an actual accountant. no we, we should podcast maybe oh, harry oh, could be well it. perhaps we, sh- we sh- really should get one of our listeners just as a lark to do our taxes one of these years don't you think that, that would be a great idea well the reason i ask about the accountant is i often wonder is uh 
Petco, who wants me to round up for Rodney the Rottweiler or something, uh, are they actually taking my money and then making it a donation on their behalf and and reducing their taxes? I, I, I'd be or interested in knowing Or should you save that. that receipt of the 12 cents you used to round up and send that along with your taxes to your accountant as part of your yearly giving? I don't know, but if, if he doesn't write a song now called Round Up for Rodney, I think it's it's a loss to the world. And you, you, you also uh, do... How many sit-ups a year are you telling me at the end of last year on New Year's Eve that you had achieved your, how many sit-ups? Yeah, I do exactly zero sit-ups. Um, uh, push-ups. Give me a break. I'm sorry. Well, well so you, 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 let me tell you this. You wouldn't know to look at him that he does zero sit-ups. He does the same amount of sit-ups as you do push-ups. <laughs> or sit-ups, for that right, matter. true. I, I don't want to start doing sit-ups, so let's not put this in my head. Uh, 10,000 is kind of where the 30 comes from. So now I say I do 10,000 push-ups a year, which allows me to miss about a day a month or so. And Tom's a little bit like me and nothing like you in the OCD nature. Like every day, if I work out, I do, I write it down like in a little calendar, what kind of I've done that day. And I know you are absolutely religious about that. I'm looking at Tom. Um, that's one of your OCD little things, right? Yeah, but only for biking and, and running. Because you just know the other stuff you're doing it. Although, although I did enjoy this at Christmas. We were talking about how sometimes you like to do your planking or your push-ups the night before for yes, the next get day. get credit for the next day. <laughs> Depending on if I know that tomorrow I'm not going to want to do it, I might do it at bedtime the night before. That gives me a day off, yet I still get my credit. But I don't record that one, so it's not really relevant. Whereas Steve doesn't even have a calendar. Like, if you want... To you know, know what his schedule would be, he would ask me because I have to keep his doctor's appointments and other things in my calendar. Because why don't you keep a well, calendar the, or anything on your phone? You don't keep any sort of um, the, the, schedule because. And I we've talked about this before off air. Believe it or not, we occasionally have conversations off microphone, and uh, I don't like the stress of having looking at a calendar and seeing a lot of things on it. I know in my head when I have to do something. Um, I subscribe to the old New Yorker cartoon, How About Never is Never Good for You. But when that fails and I'm required to do something, I don't like looking at the following week and thinking, oh, I won't have time to do anything. But any writing, any... But that's how you plan different weeks is because you know how busy a week's going to be. So maybe you don't schedule an appointment for that week and you do it for the following week. I, 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 that that concept is completely foreign to my, me. My life, as you know, is governed by the big chalkboard in our kitchen. You tell me where to be, when to be there, and, and any remaining gaps that aren't filled by domestic duties, I write. And I always feel like I don't have enough time to write. I'm always under some deadline or other. And uh, and so I stress out when, when I look at a, an event on the calendar. That means that's time that I won't be won't be able to write. That's a nice way to look at it. That's well, a way to look at life. Our our house is kind of run the same way. Jill manages everything that is not mine and everything else. So if their kids need to be somewhere, there's a game or whatnot. Mm-hmm. She tells me. We should point out that Jill is Tom's housekeeper, like Alice on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Explain for our listeners who that might Jill be. Jill is my wife, oh, okay. and I am the housekeeper. And and Sam the Butcher, where does he fall into this? <laughs> no Sam. There's no Sam the Butcher. We Because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we talked about phone holsters. And I, I, had met, I had meant to wear mine on this trip on the airplane just to see if it was going to change my life, and I forgot to. 
And I particularly liked a story that And it not, will. Yeah, yes, you will be, not, well. Just not for the better. Known as a huge dork. Right. Well, I'm huge no matter what, but then the dork part comes in. But I, I enjoyed you telling the story of when you were, I think, at a wedding and a friend of yours was wearing his phone on his holster and, and how you reacted to that. Yes. Uh, this was in 1995? When was this? This was uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Oh, okay. There was a wedding and he shows up dressed up for the wedding, outdoor wedding, close to 100 degrees, miserable. The last thing you want to do is wear anything extra, and he's got a phone holster on, which I couldn't resist uh, making and, some comments that and, I don't think he was wearing it the next and time it, I saw it, him. Embarrassingly, it was his wedding. He was in a tuxedo. <laughs> but but I, I didn't. weren't you also calling him or texting him? Oh, every? yeah. So throughout the reception, every time I saw him in conversation, I would repeatedly call him so his... His belt would vibrate, and as soon as it would stop ringing, I would call again, and I would just keep doing it, and I would see him reach his hand over and touch it, and you know, it was pretty funny. I think, like a sheriff in the old west, walking down the street and sensing some bank robber, he occasionally touches phone holster. That's what we should. Uh, well, careful there, but I think that's what we should all do if we see a friend of ours or someone whose phone number we know, and they're wearing their phone. I think you just have to put them on repeat dial well what I told Tom the next time he sees this guy and I can lend him one because I have two get an old banana yellow rotary dial telephone with 50 feet of coiled cord and duct tape it around you <laughs> so that it's duct taped to your hip and then walk then I'll, I'll call or at least make a ringing sound and then you can pick up the three pound handset and, and just walk through the airport as if you're having a normal conversation well years ago when I was living in New York City this is before Bluetooth earpieces come out or even uh, you know for a while they had the ones that would connect into your cell phone but before there was any kind of an earpiece I saw a guy walking down Broadway around 84th or 85th Street because that's the area I lived at the time and he had his and at that time the flip phones were kind of big it was up against his ear and it was taped or ace bandaged or something around his head so he could be on the phone and be hands free yeah. so uh cutting edge yeah may maybe the person who saw that maybe that was the impetus to invent the bluetooth earpiece uh for cell phones i love that that guy is my new hero and and i think we we posted last week a photograph of this microphone that we've rigged up here in in minnesota we have a solo cup with a whole cup in the top and then a, a can koozie from the old pickle factory in Nisswa, Minnesota, and then the microphone is jammed into that. Uh, we didn't travel with a boom mic stand, uh, so we rigged this up. And there is a website devoted to these these crummy uh, electronic rig ups, and uh, I can't say the, the name. It's it's uh, it's S star 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 Y. Yeah, crappy rigs and uh, and euphemized and. Uh, the one of the year they had their crappy rig of the year was um, uh, for film and it was a guy on a motorcycle and a guy facing backwards on the motorcycle with the handheld camera for a, like a long steady cam shot and the guy facing backwards was duct taped to the guy driving the motorcycle so that if he fell off they both fell off well a couple of years ago HBO followed the Yukon women's team for the entire season and they were up there shooting stuff all all, all the time and it was all the same uh, cameramen and and editors that work on hard knocks their football show for the NFL and I was there one day filming something and the camera guy was on a chair with wheels and there was a guy from behind pulling him and that's how they got their steady cam shot so you'd think a, somebody like HBO would have you know the funds or whatever to have the ability to do a steady cam but 
all they had was the handheld camera. So they had the guy on the stool as they're pulling around the floor of Gamble Pavilion to get the steady cam. But it was funny because the guy, you know, it was tough for him to balance. And then the other guy had to move at the right speed. Like he would run and they'd say, no, it's a little too fast. And then it was a jog and trying to figure all that out was kind of interesting to watch. And, and the director had his headset duct taped to his head right? <laughs> right. While, while he was giving orders. And one thing that reminds me, you know, you can do the same, have the same effect with office chairs and in Star Wars, the original Star Wars, whatever they call it now, I don't know, but the Star Wars that came out first, there's a scene with Darth Vader sitting around a conference table and, and all of the office chairs around the, are on casters as if they had gone next door from the studio earlier that day at, to Staples in Los Angeles and bought up all the office chairs. It's, it's hilarious. Tom, I'll, I'll ask you this, because Steve often, whether we're on the podcast or just in life, will come out and tell a story about something or a fact and it's usually accurate and as you're sitting there as I'm sitting there listening I'm like how does he know that was he like this as a boy or even you know a high schooler where he would just like spout off stuff that no one else knew or probably didn't even care about well I, I should say before before he answers you know if, if nobody knows if if I'm wrong who really knows anything about Star Wars anyway there's going to be nobody to call me on Star Wars trivia surely no but I'm just saying just in general you, I know. you can spew uh, some and, and trivia. I'm kidding if I'm wrong about Star Wars right everyone will call you on it yeah I think if I remember correctly he had a bunch of trivia books and he was always trying to find as much useless knowledge as he could acquire I think my dad would bring him newspapers back from foreign countries and whatnot, and he'd read those. And Tom didn't really spend a lot of time dwelling on my collection of books or and or newspapers, but um, he was he was too often riding his bike away from me to his to his because he was going to see friends, friends, yes. friends, girls taking out somebody's car for a spin at 14, that sort of thing. <laughs> while I was <laughs> right, while I was at home uh, reading my books of trivia. So you decide who had the better you had a You had a very active life in your brain as you were reading these books. Tom actually mine, mine had was, an mine, active life. Mine was a life of the mind. Tom's was a life. <laughs> and, and I think it's remained that to this day. I would, I would say that's probably true. We, talk, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Tom is the cleaner in, in his house. How would you feel about this? The other day, Steve and no, I... No, no, no. The neater. The, 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 I think I'm clean. No, no, no. Uh, well, he is very neat, and he—I'm—I'm I'm saying in his house yeah, now that he—he's tidy and 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 focuses on being tidy and clean and that sort of thing. Steve and I ha were taking a chair that we've had for 14 years, like an armchair, a big cushy armchair. It, it had seen its last days, so we're taking it to the dump. So I took this big cushy cushion off of it, and underneath there was some change and things you would expect, a couple hair ties from our girls, and then. I reached into the sides of the chair and I took a picture of this. We pulled out a hairbrush. We, we pulled out a ruler, one of the kids' rulers from school, a pirate's eye patch. What if <laughs> there was an unshelled peanut? It, it, like, it was like the scene in Jaws where Richard Dreyfuss pulls a license plate, a rubber boot, the top hat, you know, out of, out of the dead shark. Like how, how often does somebody who's a little more fastidious than us you know, check the inner workings of the cushions of chairs and couches to make sure they're clean. I don't do that often for that reason. I often do it for the reason of trying to find the Apple TV remote, that skinny that tiny little thing. tiny remote. Yeah. We've got three Apple TVs in the house and the remotes just go from one room to the other. And once they're all gone, I go to all the couches and beds and everything that are near the Apple TVs and I 
clean out what's in the crevices looking for the remote. Well, Tom, Tom, if he's the one who raised the specter of the remote and his own neatness. So, Tom, what do you do with the remote when you're in a hotel room as you frequently are traveling for work or pleasure? Well, I do what everyone should do. And that is before using it, I get the ice bag, which I never use the ice bag for ice. The and one that's in the ice bucket yeah, in the hotel yeah, room. Yeah, I just don't need ice in my room. And so I use that as a protective covering for the remote. So I've got a dog. In fact, the dog is laying right here next to me right now. And so I have to pick up dog droppings and I do the same with the remote. I just pick it up like it's the dog droppings and then I tie it shut and flip away. While lying prone on the hotel bedspread to watch TV. I usually flip that over so I'm on the sheets that can be washed. So, oh, so I always thought you had your hand in the ice bag. No, you that would actually, be hot. You actually tie the the bag around the remote. Yes. And the and it still has no so, issues yeah, changing like, the like channels. You go to the dentist and they take the tools out of the little right protective coverings. That's what it is. What do you do but, if but, there's not an ice bag but, in your room? Do you use like the? I've got a few dog bags in my briefcase. <laughs> I really do, and it works through green. The remote it can works through, work the, green, through the green, green or bag. blue. Yeah. And, and when, when the next guest or the housekeeper comes and finds the remote tied into a clear plastic bag and thinks, what was this freak up to in in the last 24 hours? <laughs> so I, I hope you tip them well just to assuage Tom, their... Tom doesn't work blue, but he knows that the remote works through green. That's true. Well, here, here's a question, because this kind of drives me nuts. We have the same exact model DVD player in two of our in an upstairs room with a TV and a downstairs room and if I can't find the DVD remote I look for it in that room I'll look in the couch cushions or whatever Steve's solution if he can't find it won't spend a second looking for it we'll just immediately go upstairs and get the one from upstairs so how does it work with the Apple TV will you at least spend a second looking for it or is that not your problem you'll just go and get one from a different room I yell at the kids for them to tell me where it is which they never can then I have to start looking because I'm assuming you probably always put it back yeah, where of course. it's supposed to go that's yeah. right so do I I do know yeah. that that one night I was reading because you, you, you used this phrase just a minute ago uh, I was reading jokes off the internet for 10 year old boys to my son and the one that uh, but slayed he's only him. nine. Well, he's nine, but these are jokes for ten-year-olds, <laughs> and this is why this one is more advanced than I knew when I was reading. And it said, uh, "What did the Scotsman? The uh, Scotsman was wearing a steering wheel hanging from the crotch of his pants." And somebody said, "What is that?" And the Scotsman said, "I don't know, but it's driving me nuts." <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a pretty good well, he, one. He tells that repeatedly, and um, that's because of our little joke session at bedtime. A friend of mine, I wouldn't even say a friend of mine, a, a, a guy who I work with is getting married next year. And the first time I was working with him, he, um, he said to me, he's like, you know, if I invite you, will you come to my wedding? And I said, don't invite me to your wedding. This is our first time working together. We'll probably work together some more. But if we don't work together ever again, we most likely won't ever be in touch like as somebody who's been married and I look back at the list and I said oh I wish I'd invited that person had invited that person don't invite me and 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 he kind of was like what do you mean of, of course I'm, no don't invite me I mean how do you feel about that like like you should you, you should, should take inventory and really invite people to your wedding who I'm not you're really, going to be talking yeah, to in 15 years I'm probably not the person to ask if we had 225 people at our wedding you invited 210 and I invited 15 which was my immediate family but um, so I only invite the essentials I know exactly what you're talking about there's so many people that I wouldn't know how to track them down if I needed to right now that were at our wedding 
So I think what you're suggesting is that the people who think they should be invited, who he feels he probably won't see anymore, what does he do? Send them a breakup invitation, perhaps? Right. I don't know. There we should we be, won't be friends after my wedding because you're not invited, so let's there, get this over with. There should be some sort of an app that says, you know, maybe when, because there's all kind of apps when people are, are planning their wedding, this, you know, maybe it can go out to certain people and say, do you expect to be invited to my wedding? And then, or, like, somebody like me could say, no. If you really want to narrow it down to a more exclusive club, do, do you expect to be invited to my second wedding? Because that's really <laughs> going to be the true test of friendship. Well, you know what, though? I bet if, if somebody's having a second wedding, though, the people who would be there are the real true friends. Because they've been with you now through that miserable first what, husband or wife. What and, would really be an, an inconvenience to, to your friends and your distant friends and even your close friends is to invite them to your renewal of marriage vows. <laughs> I know you just came to our wedding three years ago, but can you come to a beach far away so we can renew our vows? You should renew your vows today. We should renew our vows. At we the should beach. Have, your dog Woody, sleeping in the corner, could preside. <laughs> One of the fun things that we get to do when we're here is, um, is go out boating. The kids love to go tubing. And there's one area of the lake where where we are um, with your sister and the, the whole family. You can drive out and, and a lot of boats go there because it's a little more shallow and people get out and swim and wade. And, and, and it's an eclectic and interesting group of folks. And the favorite person that I've seen other than the people in our in our family is the woman who was smoking. She was up to her neck, neck in water, but with her one hand out of water in between her index and middle finger smoking her cigarette it was like a minnesota statue of liberty just that that <laughs> lit sig held aloft as a beacon <laughs> to let all the boats know not to run ashore this so, this uh, sandbar out there is is it may have been the inspiration for the song uh, redneck yacht club bass trackers bay liners and a party barge strung together like a floating trailer park you know that song i don't you don't know that song who sings it somebody I don't I don't remember but anyway um, that's what I think of when we're when we're headed out there and I, and I, I enjoy a, it thoroughly do you have a favorite because that, that woman with the cigarettes my favorite the second is the the giant is it a flamingo well, there's a the gigantic flamingo. inflatable flamingo we've seen a gigantic inflatable unicorn out there um, you know that seems to be a new trend this year the, the gigantic and I'm talking uh, can fit uh, 10 people yeah, probably like a like a small yacht sized flamingo <laughs> that's inflatable yeah it's a yacht sized flamingo i don't know are they rideable are they uh, no just something it's you look no at? more stable than a four dollar blow-up raft you get it's just bigger and a lot more people can drown on it but i think i, I I'm, I'm hoping that one of them becomes one of these inflatable flamingos becomes sentient and and becomes like a loch ness monster of this lake it submerges and then <laughs> returns years later bigger and more inflated to uh to terrorize the populace uh, well one of the things that's been fun, we've been coming up to this lake for I don't know how many years now, and the whole family gets together and has been watching some of the kids grow from being kids to now young adults. And one of our nieces who was here just finished her freshman year of college, Tom, your son Charlie, just graduated from high school, and he had a graduation party at your house. And what was the, what was the sustenance that was provided to the uh, We had a pizza kids? truck pizza truck yeah it was, they were delicious pizzas in fact we they, we were alerted to this pizza truck by the phone holster guy and his wife <laughs> and, and and how did how did that pizza truck go well the pizzas were delicious we went through 200 of them so the party was uh, doing quite well and 
It was interesting though. The the pizza truck showed up. There was a driver and another person who was just riding along. And the person who was riding along, it turned out it was his business. They sell pizzas downtown every day. Apparently it's a successful business. And they show up and Jill had made all the arrangements and I was I greeted them. I'd made sure that there was some space at the end of the driveway so the truck could just pull up and people could walk up the driveway right up to the window. And so I start talking to him, I'm like, park here, and then let's start talking about arrangements, and he's not paying any attention. Then Jill comes out, and he says, oh, Jill. Uh, no, Jill's telling him what she wants done, and he says, he's just spacing out, and he just says, Jill, give me a hug. <laughs> and then he embraces Jill. I'd been talking to him, he hadn't heard a word I said, gets done embracing Jill, punches me, in the chest and says with a uh, word I'm not going to use, let's do this. Let's effing do this. Let's right? effing do this. And uh, from there, it got freakier by the <laughs> every 15 minutes. What what, what happened if, if he made it, uh, if you're making 200 pizzas, I imagine some pizzas turn out better than others. What would happen if he made a pizza that he really was pleased with? Well, let's get, let's back up a little. So, about 10 minutes after they're, they're there, they're, uh, they're heating up the oven. I don't think it's heating up properly. And I could hear him screaming. I'm at the end of our driveway. And our driveway for a city lot is a pretty long driveway. And I could hear him screaming the F-bomb at his oven. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen here? And then the pizzas start coming out. And we ordered three different kinds of pizzas. And they were all really good. But someone came to me and said, you've got to deal with your pizza truck guy. I'm like, what do you mean? He's losing his mind. Like, what do you want me to do? I don't know, but I said, are the pizzas good? Yeah, they're delicious. Are they coming out? Yeah, they're cranking them out. So I'm not going to do anything. So then you, you I find out. You go with a hot hand. You don't want to interrupt the, the flow. Right, exactly. But then I find out. So I go to investigate, and I've, I've heard that he's bawling. He's crying. He's very upset. No idea why. And... He's in the fetal position with his long spatula pizza <laughs> stick thing going into his wood-burning oven in the middle of his truck. And he'd pull one out. He'd stop sobbing for a second. And he'd say, that's a 10. That's an effing 10. And then he'd cut it and put it up for someone to take the next pizza. And he'd start all over again. And this went on for three hours. <laughs> and then at the end of three hours, Joe came to pay him. And he had no idea how much money he was looking for, what they'd agreed upon. He, and Jill was saying what they'd agreed upon. And he interrupted her and said, you know what I really need, Jill? I need some alcohol. Do you have any vodka? <laughs> and she said, no, but uh, here, I'll get you a beer for you and your buddy. And he, and he said, well, he's driving. He won't drink one. I'll take both. <laughs> I think uh, perhaps while he was making pizzas, he was also... Um selling out of the side of the, the truck some, some, gra some grandpa's more pizzas, no, yeah. no, grandpa's uh, no, 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 no. What, what he was using doesn't fit in one of grandpa's no, <laughs> I'm not sure what he was on he was, but it, he, it was something he stronger was, he was, it was only life and, and perhaps uh, uh, that degraded parmesan that they put in the shakers at those things but um, well uh, hold on the, the phone guy they told us about this person and their party was after ours, and they're pretty straight and narrow. So they were getting nervous about what's going to happen at their ritzier neighborhood than ours. And the, the truck wasn't responding. And finally, a couple of days before, they finally get a hold of him and say, yeah, we'll be there. But the guy didn't come. He sent some employees. And I went there, and the pizzas weren't good. They were all undercooked crust and 
scorched on the top. So this the freak was really good at making the pizzas. He's an artisan. It reminds me when we were talking about those long handled things that you slide pizzas in, in and out of brick ovens with. When I when Tom was a freshman at Iowa State University in an unnamed fraternity, I went down with my friend Mike to visit him, and it was it was uh, my first time staying overnight on any college campus and there was a series much like much like the basement where we're recording this there was just a bunch of bunk beds and i think i was like in the third level of four levels or something and you had triple deckers triple deckers you had to be slid into the into the middle one like (laughs) with one of those long handled pizza things i still don't know how and and i mainly just uh, cowered in the fetal position all night while all kinds of banging and music and and uh banging sounds i should say you're giving me a lot uh music and uh you know just the whole cacophony of sounds yeah. 80 people lived in the house so. 80 people lived in the house and uh how many? And 80 how big was the house it's huge they didn't all sleep in the same room and they were called cold air dorms and so by law for health reasons the windows had to be open so in the middle of the winter yes i remember that 20 below in iowa the windows were open, and you had electric blankets, and he'd probably have thirty people sleeping in these come triple decker bunks. You a sweaty mass of humanity at some party, and you get slid into these bunks with the cold air blowing on you. So it was really a, a I've never heard of that. Is it that an Iowa thing? Like I've never heard Perhaps. of that. Perhaps in... it could be like an Iowa health inspector thing. I have a feeling it's no longer uh, legal. I think they that house they completely redid it, and now they sleep in the bedrooms. We should say that where we're staying at, at the peak at my sister's cabin, we had twenty six people here a couple have since left so i, I feel a flashback well, to those I'll, cold I'll, air cabins did you hear about last night from my bed we'd like to hear it so in the middle of the night at three jill was disturbed by something before going to bed and you perhaps she, no it wasn't but <laughs> that's a night she's nightly disturbed by him yeah, coming to but bed. at three in the morning she, i hear her say are you awake and startled i say yeah yeah what's up what's wrong I just want to talk about what went down last night. And like, what? Now? I haven't heard this. Yeah, so that's at 3. And then at close to 3.30, we're, I'm like, we got to wrap this up. I have to try to go back to sleep. Right as that happens, my bed collapses. The One of the corners of the bed, so my, call it my right shoulder, collapsed to the ground. <laughs> And now my bed angles from the wall to the floor, funneling me down to the floor. And so it's 3.30 in the morning. I just crawled up and curled up against the wall and slept like on a balance beam there where it was still intact and then fixed it this morning. In the last summer, now I'm sleeping in the bed that you slept in last summer, which is above a garage in a bunkhouse where there are a bunch of bunk beds, much like your Iowa State dorm. And But there's one actual bed under the window and it's very hot here usually when we're here it's uh, the bunkhouse and any house is full of mosquitoes because you've got 20 kids going in and out at all times sometimes leaving the door open at night to the outside and so we're all just completely covered in bug bites but last summer you stuck a uh, an old-fashioned electric fan in the window above the bed yes i did and what happened it was a bad move it uh i woke up to that large fan falling and cracking me on the bridge of my nose and you know obviously I was bleeding and and in pain so this is this is a typical night at the at the cabin here. The, the reaction though is different like Tom the bed broke last night and so this morning he 
took it apart and fixed it. Um, one of the, the shower heads here was a little bit wonky and not working. So he, before telling Amy that the shower head was messed up, he took it apart and fixed it. When was the last time you took anything apart and fixed it? Well, I'd have to think about that one, but my guess would be never. <laughs> Perhaps one of our son's Legos came apart and you were able to take that apart and, and, and fix part of it. But it, it's, it, it really is interesting because the two of you are, what, less than two years apart? Right? Yes. Two years apart. And how when it comes to that stuff, you are just, you know, Tom is very neat and clean. And not that you're not clean, but you're not neat or concerned about the cleanliness necessarily of of our house. You and, act uh, like all of these comparisons are neutral, but I seem to come off poorly <laughs> in, in every single one of them. Tom well, went no, off to you... see friends. I'd read my books of trivia. Tom is neat. You're a slob. But Tom uh, can fix things. But you have you all can't. that. Not that Tom isn't full of um, useful and useless information, but I think you have more of that. Oh, well. Congratulations. You know just what to say. <laughs> The other day I was running, there's a great bike path slash running path here. And um, I was running, it was in the morning and there were some, uh, you could tell that it was going to rain very soon. And as I was jogging, I passed a guy and kind of an older curmudgeonly looking guy. And he just looked at me with contempt and said, there's thunderstorms in the area. As if he too wasn't also out on the path. You and, shouldn't be out here running, little lady. Yeah. And so I ended up getting caught in, in the rain, but there wasn't any lightning or anything. Tom was biking the other day and was talking about, you didn't exactly completely tell the story of what you said to the guy who couldn't hear anything because he had his headphones on while walking his dog, but what happened there? Oh, I was just following some people and I noticed this this path is for users of you know all sorts of things, bikes, runners, walkers. Snowmobiles in the winter. Snowmobiles in the winter, rollerbladers, you see everything out there. and. I'm following some people. I'm actually coming up on them to pass them, but they have to slow down because there's someone with headphones on walking their German Shepherd who lunges at the first of these two people. The guy was a couple. And so the gal, she stops behind and she says, can you get your dog? I'm scared of dogs. I got attacked by a dog on my bike one time. I'd really like you to hold the dog. And the guy doesn't do anything. And so she can't pass. And eventually I just decided I would yell at the guy to get a hold of his dog. And so then we passed. That's pretty did much he, it. Once once you yelled at him, did he get a hold of his dog? He kind of, yeah, a little bit, but he was kind of clueless. I'm not sure he was uh, fully aware of what was going on. He was then going to get in his pizza truck and make some pizza for people, perhaps. Yeah. Get a hold of your dog is, is just a phrase that should apply in all kinds of situations, even when the guy doesn't have a dog. It, it was... I kind of snapped, you know, it just came out of me angrily because I just watched this guy and this woman who couldn't get by him and decided it was time to take it did, into my hands. Did she thank you profusely for your, your chivalry? Well, I, I was by her too fast for her to say much after that. So we mentioned that this house was full with 26 people. Now we're down to about 22 people. Some have left. One who left is my sister-in-law, Mary Jo, who I don't think she's aware that we have a podcast or that we have a regular segment called Uber Confessions, but... She gave us perhaps the best Uber confession that we're, we've ever had or will ever get. And Danny does not need to insert the Uber confession theme song because Tom's right here and he can do it for us a cappella. Is that is he willing to do that? Yeah, for sure. You'll need to help me with the harmonizing at the very end. Wow. I'll right. do the uh, sometimes you just do the shortened version, right? We'll do the we'll do the we'll full do the length. long. We'll do our best. Yeah. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call 
Uber Confessions. Well done. Very nice. So Mary Jo was saying she was she lives in the Chicago area. She was in an Uber. I don't know where she was going or coming from, but her driver um, just volunteered that he was uh, fresh out of prison after 23 or 25 years. She was his first rider. First fare. Yeah. I missed that part of the story. That's unbelievable. And um, he was recently exonerated by the Innocence Project at Northwestern, which exonerates innocent people on DNA grounds uh, who have served, in some cases, a lifetime in prison. And his was what? You said 18 years that he had been? I think he was over 20 years. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. Uh, I know some of these people have received $15 million settlements. This guy, I would certainly hope, after that many years unjustly imprisoned, gets at least that. But in the meantime, of course, he doesn't doesn't have any money. And um, he was driving Uber and drove our sister-in-law from A to B in Chicago as his first fare after going into prison sometime in the 1990s. She said he was surprised to see, um, well, obviously he was surprised that the Uber app exists, much less the smartphone. Obviously he's aware of these things, but they're they're completely uh, new and unreal to him. I mean, what a fascinating person to be driving you um, around. And, and you know, I, I wonder how it, he came to just start telling her this. If it was one of those situations where you just get in the cab, he's probably just happy to be talking to somebody. <laughs> Well, yes, I'm new sure. and different, and uh, but yeah, we'll never for sure be able to top that Uber confession. I'm guessing he started with "Make sure you buckle up." My driving skills are a little <laughs> rusty. That's true, and and uh, he may have also saw her last name Russian and said, "Are you related to the Russians who do the Uber confessions on the Ball and Chain podcast?" I think that's what he would have said. Tom, that's the story. Do the outro. Uber confessions. That was a little pitchy. It was a little pitchy dog, but... Uh, but we'll blame it on the acoustics of the room. Uh, we've got 400 kids running around here. You may or may not be able to hear. They've been trying to sabotage this podcast all while we've been doing it. They've blasted music like we're no- Manuel Noriega inside the Papal Nuncio. They've uh, been running around in the floor just above us trying to get us um, to have to stop. And uh, anyway, so we're plowing on. And one of the effects of having a million kids in the house is our Wi-Fi is pretty much paralyzed. And so I'm unable to access viewer mail on Gmail. That address is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. But uh, so I won't read any viewer mail this week. I don't think we did any last week. We'll have a big backlog next week. We could do a whole viewer mail but we are episode. Po- we are posting. I've been posting some pictures on the Instagram account, Ball and Chain Podcast. I'll put out some tweets with maybe some photos as well if people want to see some of the craziness that we've been going through for the last week. But yes, no no viewer mail today. But people have sent us, continue to send us pictures of their swag. I know we're getting the swag requests, and I think we're probably down to one or two states. So keep keep those coming in. And um, if you haven't gotten swag, if you requested it, it's because we haven't been home. But uh, next week, when you're listening to this, it'll be this week that we'll be sending the stuff Steve out. Steve will be sending it back out. But before we get into... Before we get into Happiness Lane, we need to mention that if people want to go see Tom, Dick, and Harry and Hari in person, they've got an upcoming date. That's correct. July 19th, there's this great music series called Music in Mears. It's Mears Park, St. Paul. It's in Lower Town, right near where the St. Paul Saints play. Great park. Every Thursday night, uh, 
craft beer trucks, uh, food trucks, and up to a couple thousand of people there. And we're opening up for a crankshaft and the gear grinders that night. My buddy books the whole series and became indebted to me for a story that I'll tell another time. But uh, he's got us playing at 6.30 on July 19th, and we're really excited about it. And if people want to hear Happiness Lane is their best way to do that, to make a sign like they're at a, a Springsteen concert or something and hold up Happiness Lane. That would uh, work. And uh, we'll be looking for a reason to play it, so someone give us a shout and we'll and, be prepared and to Rebecca, do it. Rebecca, if you were to attend live, Hari could pull you out of the audience, Courtney Cox style. Bruce Springsteen, of course, in the Dancing in the Dark video shot that at the St. Paul Civic Center here I in was 1984. There. Tom was there. And uh, Tom was actually his second choice to be dancing with <laughs> Grab Courtney instead. What, um, what would it take for the audience to get you to sing Happiness Lane while planking? Uh, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> One thing we will be doing, though, is playing a song that uh, hopefully we'll be have fully recorded soon enough called Riding on My Stingray, which is in tribute to Steve's book, Stingray Afternoon. So uh, that one's definitely on the lineup. We'll be playing that. Once you get that recorded, we can play that on the podcast. Absolutely. You said there'll be food trucks there. Will there be a, a pizza truck there that you know of? <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. It'll make it more interesting. <laughs> well... We, we won't have Tom, Dick, and Harry. We won't have Tom play us out here a cappella. We'll, we'll go have Denny play the theme song to play us out. So, But I think it would be nice if if Tom told Tom, Dick, and Harry to play us out. But, but right before he does, I'm hoping that anyone who's listening to the podcast who is not in an automobile, who is not driving, even if you're on an airplane anywhere else you are, listen to the entirety of it while you're in a plank. I will say that the kids have been banging on the door. They've let the dog in. They've been pounding on the ceiling. They've been cranking a boombox to try to get us to stop this podcast so we're going to succumb uh, go uh, uh, discipline them severely and uh, so now it's there's nothing left to do but have Tom say dicks and Harry play us out Has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous what we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.